Amen. Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> we praise the Lord for this fantastic day. The Lord has blessed us with another opportunity to look into his word, another opportunity to fellowship uh, in person as well as uh, via the Internet and uh, the rest of the apparatuses that we're using. Uh, we thank God for those who are joining us on the conference line, those who are joining us on uh, our uh, website. And if you are on the conference line and wish to see the broadcast, just simply go to remnantseedministries.org and uh, hit on the live broadcast button and you will be joined uh, visually to what we are doing even today. So at this time, if we would, let's join together for a word of prayer so we may see what the Lord would have in store for us. Our Father and our God, once again, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity, even this great privilege of prayer. Father, we ask that you would bless us with your presence, with your spirit, Lord, so we may understand your truth. Lord, we ask the blessing to be placed upon all those all over the world who are bowing down and honoring you as the only true and living God. We ask that you would lead and guide and direct them in their search for your truth. And Father, please forgive us for the sins we've committed against you. In the name of Jesus, we ask all things. Amen. Once again, happy Sabbath. We were uh, thinking about something earlier today as the Lord was blessing us with a sermon. Uh, and it is quite strange that we are not together as we normally are this time of year with the rest of our church families and and in, especially now, the, uh, the, the, even here in Memphis, we can't be together. Uh, but this will end very soon. And uh, we just ask that you all would pray for one another. The psychological warfare that we are under is real. It's not simple, simply that you haven't, uh, what you say, uh, you, know, you can't go here, you can't go there. But that kind of wears on your mind. If you, if you would remember that when a prisoner is punished, they put him in solitary confinement for a purpose because it breaks you down. So pray for one another. Pray for those who can't get out. Uh, make sure that you text or, or FaceTime or whatever you can do to help those, especially those who are uh, old, of an older age. Uh, visit them that way to make sure that they have a connection with each other because that really helps to stimulate the body because we all know that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen? Well, we're going to look under this topic today. And the Lord called this the unleavened influence. And uh, he said, it's at this time of year, especially this time of year, is that uh, we as God's people are asked to remember those wonderful schoolmasters that the Lord provided for us. Remember uh, these statutes that teach us the lessons of God are and, and about our mission and even about our ministry today. You know, we, we were going through, we're going through the, the, the Passover a few days ago, and, and now you're uh, in the, uh, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. These were all schoolmasters to help us to understand some things about God and about our place with God. And, so, and as we go and take those schoolmasters and we, we follow the instructions of God, remember God says line upon line and precept upon precept, and as we go uh, line upon line and precept and precept, we get a, a more complete picture of the lessons that the schoolmasters were teaching us. 
He said, we receive a deeper understanding of what the Lord requires of us. And as always, we find that the schoolmasters were a little deeper than we thought. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12, if we would. We're going to look at one of these schoolmasters. We're going to look at one of these statues that God asked us to, to remember. And in Exodus chapter 12, and please remember that everything is deeper than we think. Everything has a, another meaning, a deeper meaning, a spiritual meaning to it. And, and uh, in Exodus chapter 12, let's begin, if we would, at verse 17. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 17. It says, and ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought you army, your armies out of the land of Egypt. And, and therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twenty, twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he be a stranger or born in the land, ye shall eat nothing leavened. In all of your habitations shall eat unleavened bread. Now this was a statue. This was, this was something he said, I need you to do this. At the Passover, this is how you're going to do this, and you're going to do it forever. But we got to understand what this was about, because it was a little deeper than not having yeast in your bread. Amen? See, at first it looked like the Lord had a problem with yeast bread. But if you keep looking and you keep watching, you'll see there's some other statues that yeast bread is actually offered in the sacrifice. So we know it wasn't a yeast issue. It wasn't a health issue. It was an obedience issue. See, the unleavened bread acted as a reminder of that night that Israel was delivered from the darkness of Egypt. It, reminded, it reminds us, or reminded them, it and when they were delivered from an environment that would not allow them to worship the true and the living God. So as we look at this, the Lord was about to mold his people into a nation that could fulfill the original mission of representing him to the rest of the world. He was about to, to train them on how to be true Israel. And we were to be reminded that the Egyptian way would stand in the way. See, we had been in Egypt for so long. And so he said, okay, I, I got to bring you out of Egypt, but I want you to remember when I brought you out of Egypt and why I brought you out of Egypt. They would not let you worship me. You could not worship me there. So this unleavened bread would always let you remind, remind you of when I brought you out and how I brought you out. I brought you out by my power. I brought you out by the protection of my blood. And I brought you out in haste. I brought you out, and if you followed me, you would eventually get to the promised land. And so as we see that, uh, 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 we, we will understand and always remember that Egypt is not the way. And that's something we've got to keep in our mind today. Egypt is not the way. Now, now the, this precept of leaven was introduced a little later, a couple of thousand years later. Let's look at when it was reintroduced, because it, was, it became a tradition. And as all traditions, uh, uh, as in the nature of all traditions, things get piled on top of the traditions. Because somebody had a habit, somebody didn't like to do it this way, or somebody thought it was better this way. But when Christ came, let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 16. See, he used this particular 
leavened and unleavened issue, issue. He used this to explain something. He used what it really meant. He used it to explain what it really meant. Let's go to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin at verse 5. Matthew 16 and verse 5. And he said, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Okay? As disciples do. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, you know, we were busy doing something and I forgot. He said, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Now, of course they thought that. Because Christ always could peep their head, peep their mind. And, and he thought, they thought they, he was scolding them, you know, by, uh, by bringing up the fact that, you know, don't, uh, I mean, uh, beware of the eleven. And verse 8 says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? He said, why are you always thinking about the physical? Why are you always thinking about your current situation? Don't you realize that when I talk to you, I'm talking eternal things, I'm talking spiritual things. Try to get yourself in a position where you might be understand what I say. He said, do you not understand, y'all? Then he, he, he reminded them of something he did with bread. He said, do, you, do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many baskets ye took up? He was just basically saying, if it was a bread issue, you remember I can do bread. <laughs> you don't really have to worry about you forgot the bread. I can handle the bread. Verse 11 is, how is it? that ye do not understand, that I speak it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. How can you be walking with me so long that you don't get this? And verse 12 said, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, Christ always tried to share with those members of his family the deeper meaning of the statutes. He tried to let them know why, what was going on, and what they should do. He used the principle of the leaven to expose an issue that his people would always have to be aware of. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He, they, he said, look, my children, you will always have to be very prayerful about this. And we're going to find out why. See, the training that our ancestors were under was Egyptian and therefore hindered them into understanding the word of God. See, uh, 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 they couldn't carry out the mission of God because they were trained in Egypt. And so they thought like an Egyptian and God is asking them to keep statues and, and fulfill a mission that was of Israel, that was of God. The, the doctrine of Egypt kept them from understanding. Matter of fact, the doctrine of Egypt was so strong that the disciples didn't know what he was talking about. And it was no different uh, back then. It's no different in the days of us in the disciples. He said, although maybe not Egyptian, it was religious training that was presented through the doctrines of men. That training blinded the 12 from seeing truth and knowing the way. That religious training 
Now, this is going to hurt a little bit. The religious training kept them from seeing God. Now, that sounds a little weird. But Christ was saying, be prayerful about your religious training. Because religion can make you miss God. Religion will make you quit God. Religion will make you just say there is no God. And he said, beware of what their their doctrine that they're preaching. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. See, Luke pointed out a major issue <laughs> with the doctrine of the church. About to say it was the same conversation, but you know, in different, different gospels, you see different aspects of what this conversation was entailing. And so Luke kind of broke it down in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we begin at verse 1. He said, this doctrine that the church is giving you has an issue in it. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, <laughs> insomuch that they trolled one upon another, he began to say unto the disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then he called it something. He identified it as something. He said, the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Amen? For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed upon the households. See, hypocrisy will hinder your ministry, therefore will keep you from accomplishing the mission. Hypocrisy is an issue in most church relations. See, it, everybody wants to look the part, but they don't want to be the part. Does that make sense? He said, this is the hypocrisy he was speaking of. He said, the church system, the, the, the Jewish system, had been so uh, uh, in contaminated that people took on that particular spirit because they actually saw that spirit in the high, in the high priest and in the, in the other, uh, other high people in, in the church. They said, well, yeah, he's saying all this, but I know, you know, he ain't doing it. And so guess what? When your leadership is practicing hypocrisy, what happens to the church? It becomes hypocritical. If, 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 if someone's to stand there and tell you don't do this, but they do that, then they're going to say, well, he obviously is the man of God, so it must be okay to be a hypocrite. Does that make sense? Well, you can't be a hypocrite. And that was an issue. He said, be very careful about this doctrine, and Luke called it hypocrisy. See, because hypocrisy will keep you from fulfilling that mission we talked about the other night, God's true mission for Israel. See, hypocrisy can't, will let you, it'll, it'll, it'll take the juice out of your ministry, because what will happen is you'll start going in the highways and the byways, and you start talking good talk. You start talking about God and, and how God is wonderful and God has blessed you and God, God, God. And all of a sudden, people say, man, yeah, man, that sounds good. Looks like things are working out. But all of a sudden, they see you doing something you told them not to do. And when that happens, it takes the juice out of the, out of the ministry. People, Because people today, ain't, they're not playing. They've been lied to enough. They've been tricked long enough. They don't really want to be able to, they, they want to be able to grab onto something that's consistent, something that's real, something that is going to hold all the time. That's what people are looking for. But if they see somebody coming at them and just acting like the rest of the world, he said, I know how to do the rest of the world. It's easy for me to do that than try to do what you're talking about. 
But he said, beware of that doctrine, because what will happen to you is it will keep you from the ministry. It'll keep you from fulfilling the mission. Does that make sense? See, not only do we have to understand that our training is influenced by a false prophet religion, but also there's another avenue of deceit that we must be aware of. He said, beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But there's another doctrine we have to be aware of, too. Now, let's look at that. Let's go over here to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. See, it's this influence, this leavened influence that's keeping us from the mission. It's keeping us from the ministry. It's keeping us from the miracles. It's this leavened influence. That's why he had, I had to bring you out of Egypt. Because there was so much confusion, so much counsel, so much uh, influence on you, you couldn't even get to me. And the poor disciples, standing with Christ, seeing the miracles of Christ, walking with him, talking with him, loving Christ, they couldn't see it because the false prophet religious positions kept them from seeing what he was talking about. Do we have any hope? <laughs> There's always hope in Christ. That's why Christ said, look, beware. It's not going to stop. <laughs> beware. The false prophet is not going to stop. Now let's look at this other issue that we're going to have to deal with. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. Same, same incident, but he pointed out something different. Let's go to Mark chapter 8 and verse 14. He says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. <laughs> Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And he introduced something else. And of who? Herod. Now Herod represents the unbelieving world. So you got the false prophet religious world with some, with some leaven. And now you got Herod's leaven. Now we're familiar with Herod's leaven, aren't we? Every day we go click and turn. Well, I don't say click anymore. <laughs> That's an outdated uh, analogy. When you had a remote control back in the day, it would actually click. Now it's well, oh, you're speaking to the TV and it does what you wanted to do. Well, well, we see that leaven of Herod every time we watch that. Every time we listen to certain things. Every time we expose ourselves, that's the leaven of Herod. That's the doctrine of Herod. That's what the world or the unbelieving world is teaching you. The unbelieving world will have you do some crazy stuff. But if that is your source of understanding, then you'll be walking, as we talked Thursday night, you'll be walking in the image of another God. See, the training, the influence of these two schools have hindered our true understanding and have separated us from the miracle working power of God. Because we got false prophet in our ear and we got non-believers in our ear. You see what the Lord was trying to teach ancient Israel is the same lesson he's been trying to teach us. It is not enough just to leave Egypt. You can physically leave Egypt. You can move to the country. You can move out of the cities. You can move out of the ghetto. It's not enough for you to move. Amen? We must leave the ways of the Egyptians. There's an old saying we used to say, you can, you can take somebody out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of them. And we see it on TV all the time. All, these, all of a sudden, these people become famous and rich, and they have little TV shows, and they have interviews, and you're like, oh, man, he's still ghetto. 
But what we have to understand is that we were born and most of us raised in Egypt. It's not enough just to leave Egypt. What we have to do is to leave the ways of Egypt. We got to get out from under the influence. So we may, be, we may see clearly the mission and actually perform the true ministry. Because we got false prophet and the world, we got we to get from under the influence. Now, how that works and how that happens for you, you must ask God to help you with that. Some people have to move to the mountains and put their fingers in their ears. And they're probably not under the influence. But I would tell you this, that move has been influenced by Egypt. The monks used to do it. The monks used to go to the monastery because they wanted to separate themselves from the world and they would have vows of silence. I'm not going to speak. I will beat myself for 14 days to prove that I am worthy, uh, that, that I understand that, that uh, I, I, I'm what I am. God says, ask me how to get from under the influence. Now, one thing we know, you can't keep putting Egypt in your face and come out from under the influence. Is that true? Let's go to the book of Psalm, if you would. God says, you got to change what's influencing you. And we, because we're used to the Egypt, Egyptian and we're used to the false prophet, what we have to do is begin to put things in front of us, put something in our lives that calls us to not only stop listening or stop being affected by Egypt and stop being affected by the false prophet, but it will cause us to be affected by something else. So we go to the book of Psalm chapter 1. And let's begin at verse 1 if we would. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, under the influence of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. God says, blessed is the man who's not under the influence of the false prophet and who? The world. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. See, he changed what's influencing him. See, the man who has left Egypt and has left the influence of Egypt, he's being influenced by something else because mankind will always be influenced. I love to hear people say, I'm my, I'm my own self. <clears throat> Wrong answer. There has never been an own self, especially now. I'm my own independent, that's my own ideas. You have no original ideas. There are no original thoughts. You are influenced by a series of things. So what we have to do is get where the influence is good because you are built to be influenced. We ought to be okay with that. I mean, we should have learned that as a children because your parents wouldn't let you be in, go, you couldn't go there. Why? Because that's a bad influence. You couldn't hang out with this girl because she's fast. That's what they used to call them, Michael. He's a fast girl. She's a bad influence, right? You couldn't hang out with this guy because his, his parents don't care about him. Don't, you, you, can't, you, can't go, you can't hang out with them. See, because we are subject to be influenced, right? And when we are influenced by the wrong thing, we become the wrong people. We got to do better, <laughs> as they say. Verse 3 says, and he shall be like a tree by the rivers of water 
I'm sorry, let's finish too. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So what is he being influenced by? The law of God. Why? Because he's meditating on it day and night. When you meditate on God's law and God's way and practice God's law and God's way day and night, there is no room for influence to come from the Egyptians or the world. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he, shall, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The influence of the law, the influence of the statutes, the influence of the God of the heavens is what we're looking to be influenced by. This is the leaven that we want. This is, if we're going to have some leaven, this is the leaven we want to have. Because you know how leaven works, right? You know, you can hide leaven in some flour and come back in an hour, and it blows up, doesn't it? It gets bigger. It increases fourfold. And that's the leaven you want. You want to increase in God fourfold. But guess what? That leaven works the same way if Egypt is in the flour. You're not, you know, just a little Egypt. Remember he said a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? You know, just a little Egypt. Just a little of this, it'll be all right. And all of a sudden, it, you got four times worth of Egypt in you. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go a little deeper with this leaven precept. Remember, he said, I need you to uh, uh, deal with this, this, this leaven of the Pharisees, but he called hypocrisy. Then he said, I, I need you to understand that there's another leaven out there called Herod. But here, he breaks it down a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll begin at verse 6. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, and we'll begin at verse 6. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven. Amen? The old leaven is who? Herod and the false prophet. That ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrifice for us. See, Christ, his sacrifice made it possible for us to lose the old leaven and start getting some new. He said, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with hypocrisy, not with the, the ways of the world, not with the, the ways of men. He said, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So, hey, we, we've got a couple of other names for this leaven, malice and wickedness, but with the un, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He says, so he put some more, he said, this thing, this leaven thing is sin that's causing you to miss. This, uh, this, 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 this wickedness, this practice of wickedness is causing us to miss out. See, there was a need of some purging. There's always need for purging. That's why the whole exodus happened. That's why the whole, the whole process of leaving Egypt all the way to the promised land is one 40-year process of purging. And they got purged too, didn't they? Only two brothers of age made it. Even the great Moses didn't make it to the promised land. Aaron didn't make it to the promised land. There was some purging going on. And so just expect when you start leaving Egypt, it, you're leaving Egypt and there's going to be a purge that occurs. You're going to have to be cleaned up. You're going to have to change the, the atmosphere of influence. And when you change the atmosphere of influence, you began to be something different. You began to, be under, you began to understand the true mission of Israel, and you began to be a minister in Israel. And not only that, in the ministry, 
there will be miracles. But there will be no miracles. There'll be no ministry when you don't understand the mission. And the reason we don't want to understand the mission is because we've been lied to by the false prophet and the world. Even back in the day, there was a need for some purging in the upper room. Let's go to Acts. Even while seeing and talking to the resurrected Christ, see, the influence of the false prophet and the unbelieving world was still present in the disciples. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. They needed purging even after the resurrection because what had to be done was the mission, to be the, in the image of God and to be fruitful and multiply. Remember that from the other night. And, and so there had to be some purging. They were still under the influence. Now let's look at Acts chapter 1. Let's start at verse 2. Acts chapter 1, stay with us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Whence they therefore came together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, now look at this. This is what's so incredible. They were repeating, or they were re rehashing, or recounting what God had, had shared, what Jesus had shared with them. And so <laughs> they had gotten to the part where they proved that they were still under the influence. Now let's look at this. Uh, when, verse 6, when they therefore came together, or come, sorry, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They had the same question they had before he died. After the resurrection, after he, he, he was talking to them, they still had their mind on the doctrine of the Pharisees. Because it was all about somebody coming and taking David's spot and whipping everybody else. Is it, when, 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 we gonna, when is this going to happen? Still under the influence after the resurrection. Now let's see how Christ handled that. And he said unto them, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He took them, what? From the influence, the mindset of the false prophet, all the way to what he really was trying to get them to understand. I'm about to put you on this mission to preach my word. And I'm going to give you power to do so, because that power, the Holy Ghost, needs to be your influencer. Let's go down to 13. And then when, when they had come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord. Now see what they did. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. 
with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. See, they had to get under another influence. Prayer will put you on another influence. Prayer will block out the influence of Herod, the influence of the Sadducees and, 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 and uh, the Pharisees. See, when they prayed to cleanse out this leaven, they prayed to say, Lord, we've got to be better. We've got to be focused on you. And they stayed there for quite a while when they finally had clarity of what the mission really was. Remember, in, in, in Matthew 28, he gave them that mission. He said, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teach them all things that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. Even when he gave them that, they couldn't understand it. The influence was strong. The leaven was strong. But now they're in the upper room. And they began to pray. They began to ask God for help. They began to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It started to cleanse away the leaven. They finally had clarity of what the mission was. Then the power came to give them the abilities to do the miracles to show the power of God. That's just one, over, one chapter over in Acts chapter 2. We'll be out here in just a second. Acts chapter 2. See, once they got under the influence, <laughs> under the right leaven, they began to grow. And they had to get to that point because the power was coming. The power to make them able to do, to fulfill the mission and to have the ministry. And it needed the miracles in order to do it. And they couldn't have that long as they were under the Egyptian mindset or the Sadducee and the Pharisee mindset. But now that mindset was gone. The hypocrisy was gone. The wickedness was gone. The, the, the malice was gone. The envy was gone. The, all of those things that they had been trained and, and it was so uh, embedded in them, they had to get released from before the Spirit could come. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when the, the appointed time was fully come, they were all in, in, a, in, a, in a, a spiritual influence condition. They were all with one accord. That's the biggest issue. They had gotten rid of all the envy. They stopped asking the question, can I sit on your left hand? Can I sit on your right hand? They had gotten rid of all of that. And now the power was coming. They were in one place, and, and all of a sudden, in verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. You're talking about some influence coming. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the greatest influencer, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, there was nothing else controlling them but the Spirit. Their minds were totally given over to the God of the heavens, and so the Spirit could use them and speak through them. There was no more Egyptian talk coming out of them. There was no more uh, 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 Sadducee perspective that they were dealing with. It was all Holy Spirit. Verse 5, and, there, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noted, noised about, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? 
And how we hear, I'm sorry, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Why? Because they were under the influence. The first miracle was that they could communicate with all men. You see how important the influence is? If you're going to have a ministry, you're going to have to be able to communicate with all men. When I say ministry, I'm talking about his ministry. I want to make sure we clear that up. Because we got a whole lot of folks with their ministries. You know how you can tell? They put their name on the ministry. You got so-and-so's ministry. You got so-and-so else's ministry. It is God's ministry. And when God has this ministry in you, you'll be able to communicate to all men. You'll be able to know, as Brother Nelson was bringing out, you'll be able to know how. See, those three questions we taught years ago. Ask yourself, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by you? And it doesn't need to be said now. But when you're under the influence, all those questions are answered. And you just keep moving or you keep, stop, you be t keep talking. That's why it's important to have the leaven of the Holy Ghost, that, that seed in you that will prosper you, that will teach you, that will guide you. See, then the promise of the Father was explained to everyone because that was the mission to represent the Father here on earth. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, influencing you, you'll able to be, you'll be able to effectively communicate who he is. And the ministry will grow. The promise that would, that, 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 that would give power to the ministry was given to them. He said, the Father, he promised you something. Here it is. The Father promises us the same thing today. But we have to be like them. Let's see what happens. Let's go down to Acts 2. Step next to Let's go to verse 17. Let's see what happens. Because they've decided to get rid of the, 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 the leaven of the, of, the, of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. They got rid of all of that. This is what happened to them in, in, in the ministry. Okay? Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Why? Because they will be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. See, this is the promise of God. This was the original. You need this. I need this in order to fulfill the mission that he gave us in the garden. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. It's going to be some, going to be some miracle stuff happening. Now, let me, let me teach you about, sorry. Let me tell you about miracles. We classify miracles as something out of the ordinary. Now, we in the church ought to know it's some supernatural happening it's some, something from another realm that occurred. It's something that mankind couldn't make happen, that something else made happen. Well, this is the time we're living in. I think Pastor S uh, Smith brought out last night that there are going to be some other miracles, <laughs> but you're going to have to fight their miracles with the miracles of, of heaven. We learned that lesson in Egypt. Moses threw his stick down. Well, they threw their stick down. Two miracles happened. Different sources, different influences, right? But what happened to the Egyptian snakes? They were devoured. 
Because why God's influence is stronger than Egypt's influence, if we'll let it. Amen? He said, I'm going to pour all this on you. I want you to remember the original mission that was given Adam. Remember he said, be fruitful and multiply. See, the disciples began to fulfill this mission. Stay in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, I mean 41. And we'll close. So then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Why? Because the disciples were under the influence. They were speaking the word. They were encouraging. They were showing the Father. They were showing who God was. And people got excited because they'd never seen him before. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And that's a pretty good revival, ain't it? 3,000, we'd have to move. But that was because they were under the influence. They left the doctrine. They left the, the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. In verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Remember what, when in, in, in Psalms chapter 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. These new recruits stayed on the law because they were the disciples' conversations. And they said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Hear those miracles. Why? Because they were under the influence of Christ. They were under the influence of the, of the Spirit of Christ. Then let's keep reading. And all that believed were together. See? The influence started affecting everybody around them. Those 3,000 that came, that those 3,000 that gave their heart to God, it started to affect them too. And they said that the, uh, uh, they were all together and had all things common. See, malice had left them too. Selfishness had left them too. They said it doesn't matter. We're all in this thing. We all got the same mission. We're all in the same family. We all have the same ministry. Verse 45 said, And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. See, they had decided that, that, that don't, you know, people read that and get really afraid. See, that's why people don't want God. God's going to make me sell all my stuff and get it y'all. No, he won't. God is never going to force you to do anything. But when you're under the influence, you know something. If God needs it, it's his. And God doesn't run out. He might say, uh, uh, sister, I need you to, to give that right now, because that's what they need. Right now, you know, I got, I, it's like God says, I ain't got time to go to the bank. <laughs> okay, you just, you just be my ATM right now, and we'll take care of it. Well, when you are under the influence of the Spirit, that is no problem. How much and when and where? What do you want, Lord? Because your faith is so strong that you're just being used to be a, a blessing to somebody because the great blessing of God is with you always. That's why you don't get hung up. But this is, I've heard people, oh, and then I've been in churches. I've been in organizations that tried to do this with a selfish heart. It lasted a month. Folks was, I, I, you know, I'm out here doing this. I'm making more money than you. How come you get the same thing I get? It didn't last long at all. 
because they weren't under the influence of the Holy Ghost. They had read the word, they had read the doctrine, but they had no power to perform it. But when the power of Christ is influencing you, you'll sell all your possessions. And you might not literally give them away. You might not literally sell them, but you are willing to, to, to part them as God wishes. And they, verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. He told Adam to be fruitful and multiply. He told Noah to be fruitful and multiply. He told the disciples, teach all nations, add to the church. This is what he did. That was the mission. That is still our mission. And the ministry has to be done the way Christ gave it. You cannot minister the mission without the Holy Ghost. Without the Spirit of God in you, it is impossible to do this. Our minds will, be, will go back like we were studying this morning. I'm going to go back to the Egypt. I want to build me a golden calf because at least I know the golden calf. Well, that's an Egyptian mindset. See, Egyptian mindset are have you dying Easter eggs. I'm sorry, that's not the Egyptian. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Let me get yeah, it. The Pharisees will have you going to the river Sunday morning, having sunrise service. And then you want to know why Christ ain't with you. Christ is not at the sunrise service. I'm sorry, he's not. Matter of fact, he was gone before the sun got up. But we're under the influence. When we get under the influence of the, of the Holy Ghost, we will begin to perform things that we might not be familiar with. And it'll be all right. We will begin to leave the influence of, the, of Herod and the influence of the, uh, the Pharisees. We'll start departing from it. Now, I, I want to warn you of something. When you depart from it, there's some people attached to it. <laughs> We all right with that? There are some habits attached to that. You're going to have to unlearn them. It's going to be a little funny because you're so, it took up so much of your time that now you don't, you got time. It's almost like COVID-19. You got time now. It is really amazing. You will not realize how much time you spent under that influence until you're not under that influence anymore. You're like, wow, man, I got I can do something. I can read a book. I can actually, you know, make some bread. <laughs> you know, I'm not under that influence anymore. I'm not, I'm not spending my, all my day being Egyptian. I'll tell you, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. See, the unleavened, <laughs> the unleavened influence is what we're looking for. When they came out, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread taught them about the separation of mindset and location uh, from Egypt. It told them not only to separate, but it was also time to do something else. You were supposed to, they, they got to Sinai and they received the word. 
Now that was supposed to be your influence. That's what's supposed to be your focus. And this is the same thing that he asked us today. His word to be our focus, his spirit to be our influence. So we may be able to understand the mission. Then we'll say, hey, Lord, well, mission seems like it needs ministry. He said, yep, it needs ministry. But you can't minister without my spirit. And he says, oh, by the way, when I give you my spirit, there's a whole lot of supernatural stuff's going to start happening to you and around you and through you, and you're going to classify that as a miracle. But just know it's coming. Because we read in Acts, he said, a whole lot of miracles will happen by the disciples. Why? It can't help but be that because the miracle spirit is in you. So don't be amazed. Be, look, look forward with uh, glorious anticipation that miracles will be happening in your life. I don't know about you, I've seen miracles in my life, in our life. Miracles. It don't happen any other way. You can't, this is no chance. See, and, and there's nothing happens in life, in this existence, by chance. Everything is orchestrated. So get under the orchestration of the Holy Spirit. So we understand the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, the hypocrisy, the wickedness, the influence of Egypt. All these things you're going to be separated from when you decide that I want to be under the influence of God. So if we're going to influence others, we need to be under his influence. If we're going to be those people, those called people, are we going to be that true Israel that he asked us to be, we're going to have to fall under his influence. And we're going to have to do it without kicking and screaming. When he says, let's go this way, don't be Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? They could have ground her up and sold her at the market. She changed to a pillar of what? Think about this. When we look back, when God says, go forward, what happens if he, he just took like a pinky and turned it into a salt? Would that get our attention? When God says, Go this way, but I, and you look back. We can't look back. And let me tell you, the more you look forward, the less the desire to look back. And we always taught, one day, it won't be a fight. When you are under the influence, it's not a temptation. Well, pfft, I'm not looking back, man. Satan to come with some back stuff. Hey, man, you know you used to, Love this, and man, you, you get a phone call from somebody who's still doing it. And you know, your heart will go out and say, oh, well, you know, I need to go over there to that picnic. You know, maybe I can spread some word. And the picnic ain't nothing what? Beer and barbecue. Now, if you had problems with beer and barbecue, you might want to check the Holy Ghost. You might end up there. But if you go there in your mind saying, I'm going to preach the message, you're going to be, they're going to be somebody got a designated to drive you home. And you're going to be all depressed. Oh, Lord, I let you down. He said, I didn't tell you to go there. So we, once he moves us forward, don't look back. Whoever, anybody, he, he called it vomit. You ever seen a dog throw up and eat it? That's how he, he compared us when we look back. Isn't that just tasty? 
Isn't that lovely? Something you want to think about all the time? So when God says, I'm, you're under my influence now, don't get pulled back. And go willingly, go joyfully. Do not look back because the life he's giving you is so much better than that life. So much more love, so much more protection, so much more surety. Because can you imagine going back and believing that they're going to take care of you? Did anybody ever believe that? Yeah. Well, you know, I got a job at the post office. I'm going to retire at the post office. I'm going to work 40 years at the post office. I'm going to get my pension. Doesn't happen like that, does it? But we once believed that. Let me tell you something about God. God's got a magnificent 401k. He's got a wonderful, wonderful plan. He's got, he's got your retirement plan all laid out. If you go to Psalms 103, we won't do tonight because it's time to go. If you want to know the benefit package of God, go to Psalm 103. And it'll show you it all. So, under the influence, amen? Not the influence, not the leaven of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or Herod. Not hypocrisy, not hatred, not wickedness, but that influence of the, of the Holy Spirit that causes you to have all things in common with God, that he may be able to use you in his ministry. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, again, Lord, we thank you. We need purging, we need cleaning, Lord. We need to leave the influence of the world the false prophet, let it stay where it needs to stay and keep us, Lord, in moving forward. Help us to appreciate the Holy Spirit. Help us to embrace that spirit, Lord, that we may be sons and daughters of yours, that we may be true Israel, Lord, that we may fulfill the mission of the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply, go tell the world about you. Lord, add to the family every day. Father, help us, Father, to represent you, to be in the image of the Most High God. Bless us to this end is our prayer. And in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.